We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Danny Meringue. And then I went to this movie theater. Dusty Hera. Then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I'm beginning to like this kid much. <laughs> this is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080. The Fan. Final hour of the show here on Danny and Dusty. Danny Morang in. No Dusty. No Rusty. Jordan Schultz is coming in to be our closer behind the glass. If you missed hour number one, hour two, you can find them on the Les Schwab Tires podcast, part of the Odyssey Network. Uh, the somewhat breaking news there on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo avoiding the Liz Frank injury got me wondering. Because if you look at the NFC right now, it's a, it's a steaming pile of dog poo when it comes to who's actually capable of getting it done in the end. Somehow, some way, the Minnesota Vikings are 9-0 and in one-score games, an NFL record. And it got me wondering, if the Niners can just get there, which is kind of what it sounds like they're doing, seven or eight weeks sounds a little too far out, even if you are jamming all the drugs known to man into his foot and just getting him to, to hobble out there and get it done. Or you truly believe in Brock Purdy. Do you believe in a hobbled Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy more than you believe in Kirk Cousins? That's a good question. Yeah, just to give some dates, by the way, for everybody, January 21st, 22nd is the divisional round. Uh-huh. I think that is kind of when... As soon as they're looking. Yeah, because we're at, we're at December 6th right now. So Christmas is three weeks away. Uh-huh. Uh, another month after Christmas is about seven weeks. So mm-hmm. maybe... Maybe the potential, if they jam him with enough drugs, you'll get him for the wild card round in the, uh, the they, they weekend the of the 14th, 15th. what they need. Yeah, you're right. They, they do. They need the divisional round matchup on the 21st or 22nd to have a legitimate shot for him to be back. Let's say the Niners win the division. Let's say that they finish with, with a bye, okay? And Jimmy gets that extra week. And however it, it, it works out, they play the Vikings in the divisional round. I think it's highly unlikely with the way the brackets would work that that would be the case. But for this exercise, I want it to be the case, okay? All right. Hobble Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy or Kirk Cousins. Because this Kirk Cousins, again, let's, 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 let's refresh this. Not only is he terrible in primetime, he's terrible in non-primetime. This is the same Kirk Cousins that in a 27-22 win over the New York Jets this past week needed Berrios to drop a touchdown pass. Needed the Jets to not march down the field after not being able to generate a single first down after a turnover on downs. 
and outside of getting the ball to Justin Jefferson, hasn't demonstrated the capability or the ability to win a game of consequence with his arm. He finished the game against the Jets 21 of 35 for a buck 73 and a touchdown. That's a 4.9 yard per play average. That's some Russell Wilson nastiness. That's nastiness. And that Jets defense is good. That's not the 49ers. Which quarterback are you taking? The smorgasbord of what's left of the 49ers and that team or Kirk Cousins and the Vikings? If I had to gun to my head right now because of the weapons Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson Kirk Cousins has, I'd choose Kirk. I'd choose Cousins, and I hate Kirk Cousins. That's why I'm sitting there going, but he's just got better guys. He's got better weapons. Jay Jeff has put himself far and above, you know, guys at the wide receiver position in the NFL. He's easy top five right now, and that gives a mediocre quarterback a chance to win a Super Bowl. You see it year to year. I can't do it. Can't do it. (laughs) I cannot do it. I don't care how many one-score games this team has won. I don't care what their record is. I will not and I cannot trust Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. There's just not a world that exists. Like, if you wanted a measuring stick, this is it. Great defense, but I don't know it, quarterback. Like, how many points do you have to score? How many points do you have to score as the Vikings to win that game? If 30-plus? Yeah, because you're, it doesn't really matter. You're still going to give up two or three touchdowns as the Vikings D, right? They're not great. Easy. Mike White's out there dropping 369 on them. Yeah. Nice. And I'm just I'm saying two touchdowns because maybe they gear down in the playoffs, but who knows? Sure, I mean... Vikings are pretty middle of the road. They've shown up some games, and yeah. then they'll let the Mike Whites of the world just toss it on them. And that's the thing is, how many weapons... We were talking about weapons. How many weapons does the 49ers have? Debo. McCaffrey. Yep. Kittle. Ayuk. They're not exactly shorthanded. And if... Any coach in the NFL can get a team ready to go to just get the ball to their various weapons. It's Kyle Shanahan. And I look at that, and that's what makes me, even in this weird circumstance of Jimmy G with getting this injury and being out for like the close to two months, why they wouldn't panic in the sense of, hey, if we can just get to the divisional round, if we can just get to the divisional round, if we can just get there. We can be okay. We can shoot them full, full of all the drugs, and we can find a way. And I, I genuinely believe that if they can get there, which it's it's not a small task, if Purdy's not up to task to, to close out this season and and get them to at least eleven wins, probably twelve, to a get up to get a buy, then you know then it gets a little dicier because it's obviously win or go home in that wild card round. They should be able to avoid it as a division winner. They should be able to. But we'll see. I just I just needed to find a way to, to talk trash about Kirk Cousins. I, I mean, I like Brock Purdy. If we're actually looking at the performance, what was it, 200 yards he came in? It's a pretty efficient win, 33-17 to 17 over Miami. Miami's a lower third uh, of the league average defense. But a rookie quarterback in his first situation ever to come in like that and perform well, it gives you hope as a Niners fan. Especially it? coming in off an injury. It's one thing when yeah. you get the week to prep and you're getting some time with the ones. Brock Purdy's not getting time with the ones. It's just, oh! 
uh, get the hat off, get the helmet on, bro. Yeah. You don't even have time to throw. Yeah, no, you're not. You're, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you're you're the guy who you're backing up gets his leg rolled up on in a grotesque fashion. All of a sudden, you got to go, and that's that's got to be difficult. But it also maybe it allows you to play a little bit looser because you just have to and you have to perform in the moment or. Or it's a disaster. It's it's good sometimes when you don't have time to be anxious. Yeah, you know, you just get right just, into the situation. Gotta go. Yeah. You know, there's no time to worry about worry about being worried. All right, coming up here in a bit, we've got Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report to go over the Trailblazers at thirteen eleven, where they sit now, where they'll go end up, kind of uh, finishing up before. They close out the calendar year. They go to a six-game road trip. Uh, we'll check in and see where they sit uh, health-wise. The return of Gary Payton the second, if that. You know, an upcoming or pending issue, the return of Damian Lillard back to the starting lineup, him being healthy, uh, and where they ultimately go here over the next two months as they build forward in this new era. Uh, I'm trying to think, is that is that all the Blazers we got to cover? Well, there's nothing else, right? Got an off off day today, tomorrow, and then Thursday yeah. they're back. So I think that's probably. I, I'm, it. Like, I'm like I'm defaulting here to like the hey wait. I don't have to cover a game for three whole days. I'm like, there's, there's, there's something I'm missing here, right? Oh, they desperately needed that time off, like you mentioned earlier. Listen, desperately. You know who needed that time off? I did. Selfishly, I needed the time off, Jordan. Those long nights driving home. No, I'm, I'm, now well, yeah, because you live, you live in my part of town, south of my part of town, yeah, actually. So no, that's a long drive from Moto. It's a long drive from Moto to Newburgh at yeah. 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. But like I said, we got Sean Eichen of the Rose Gun Report coming up here in a little bit. Hopefully uh, right around 2.30. I'm waiting for his confirmation that he can uh, slide in there. Otherwise, I'm going to be very mad at him. Uh, but yeah, we've got that coming up next year. This is Danny Morang here on uh, Danny and Dusty at 10 the Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan. I have a confession to make. I still haven't watched the new Top Gun. Actually, that makes two of us. You haven't seen it. I have no. It's it's actually now free. I think, or if you have a streaming, whatever streams Paramount Plus or whatever it is, one of those. Yeah. Yes, you can watch it if you own one of those. So I have not either. Oh well, I'm gonna do something really cool here. Speaking of the danger zone, the Tennessee Titans 
They fired their GM, as we alluded to here in multiple lead-ups here. Uh, the danger zone was uh, letting A.J. Brown get away, apparently. Not too often does a division-leading, division-winning, never-having-a-losing-season GM get fired in the middle of a season. But they do when their former player, who they wouldn't pay, comes back and roasts their ass. In a game where they're only favored to lose by four. I have to believe that Jim Robinson, the the ownership there was happy with him until the A.J. Brown fiasco. And that one played out over social media, where it looked like, and it's been quasi-confirmed that A.J. Brown would have liked to stay in Tennessee. He just wanted to be paid commensurately you know, with the best wide receivers in the game because turns out he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. Uh, I saw a number the other day that basically illustrated that A.J. Brown had the same number of yards and touchdowns as the entire Titans receiving core that was active heading into the game. Not great, Bob. Not great. But it is insane to me that John Robinson was 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 fired despite winning the way that he's won. This has to be a knee-jerk reaction, right? Yeah, with maybe some buildup of a week or two. That There's got to be some seething that's been going on, that, that rumbling, angry feeling in your stomach. that's That's got to have been feeling something in the owner of the president's suite. That's, that's just been... Prepared. Perhaps the fact that they haven't made a big move, that... They haven't brought in a quarterback, that they haven't brought in a wide receiver, that they haven't brought in an edge rusher. How much of that is is this deflection by ownership of saying, no, we're going to say it's his fault that we didn't spend money on getting another edge rusher after Harold Landry went down. It's his fault that Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback and Willis is the backup. It's his fault that A.J. Brown is gone. It's his fault that they haven't replaced somebody to the capacity of A.J. Brown. Even though the rookie draft pick was good. He's not A.J. Brown good. But this is not an organization that has been bad. This is the number one seed in the AFC last year. And you can see that some smoke and mirrors. They get pummeled in the first round and it's over. Derrick Henry not being a part of that is probably a big giant gaping hole of an issue. But you look at where this team is and where they have been historically, again, this is going to be the first season that Mike Tomlin has been under 500 in his, what, 16-year career? 15-year career? Robinson it doesn't have a under 500 season in his time in Tennessee. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do there. I don't know what you're trying to prove. Other than perhaps you want to give more control to a coach in Mike Vrabel who has demonstrated that he has done so much with less. The culture in the locker room and what the feel around that team is, it seems to be extremely high. People love what Vrabel's doing in Tennessee. So, yeah, that why not give a guy that people already basically have 
denoted as beloved and the guy that's going to take you to the promised land, why not give him a chance to maybe make a, a bit more on the decision end and not just on the football on on a uh, play calling end? I think he could give him a little bit more leeway, sign a couple of players, or at least give him control talking to those players in the offseason like A.J. Brown. And perhaps they're looking at the upgrades because as solid a foundation as Robinson has built, he has drafted 29 players, two of them, Derek Henry and Kevin Bird, have both made Pro Bowls. Three of his free agent or trade acquisitions have also made Pro Bowls in DeMarco Murray, uh, Brendan Trowick, and Ryan Tannehill. It's not a bad resume, but it's not a great resume. And either ownership is looking at this and trending towards greatness because they believe in their coach, they believe in their culture, and they believe in what they have built, and they believe that they need players commensurate with those, or they're just scapegoating the living hell out of John Robinson, and they're a bunch of cheap asses. I mean, we know that it played out over social media. Is he solely to blame for this? Are there other people? Is this that... a relationship issue or is this a money issue? Yeah, were there people limiting him and in the organization saying, you know what, dude, you got to keep it here and capping it at some point? Because I haven't heard anything about no. that. We just saw the drama, you know, front page of social media during the offseason. GMs, as much power as they have across sports are limited by the stinginess of their owner's pocketbooks. I think of Moneyball. Every time you think of Billy Bean going to his GM being like, hey, I need $400,000 you know, for this player. We can't do it, Billy. Or trying to not lose Johnny Damon and Jason mm-hmm. Giambi. I need more money. It's not going to happen, Billy. What, what what else can I help you with? Like, it's Nobody thinks of those restraints yeah, that, and, that, and that they get. They happen across sports, and which is why, again, tying this back locally, when the Blazers get sold, I want it to be the richest, most illustrious human being on the face of the planet who this is their plaything that they just throw piles upon piles upon piles of money at. I want them, I, again, I, I want to call on Scrooge McDuck. I want the guy who has the money tower that he goes swimming in. That's what I want. I want a guy who builds a monument of himself on the weekend just because he can. And people are like, I don't want one of those billion. I do. That's who I want running my team. Like an eccentric, not not exactly Mikhail Prokhorov because he's connected to Russia. And he, the, yeah, the, no, uh, but, Russian but, oligarch billionaire is probably the, the but one. But somebody of that yes. out there kind of style and super, super just a philanthropist. I'm a, I'm a playboy. I'm yes. a, yeah, that kind of guy. Yeah, I, okay. I want Iron Man running my, oh my, my NBA team. Yes. All right, cool. Playboy billionaire philanthropist. That's who I want running. Like they just show up and go, what do you need? And then they get out of the way and they let the smart people do their jobs. What we don't know is if that's the case in Tennessee. But I'll tell you this, they're at least in good hands with their coach. Their culture is safe. Beyond that, it'll be really interesting to see that job, who ends up taking that job and what they can do with it. And if it turns out that they're as limited and they aren't able to bring in those guys, then you start looking at ownership or we'll get, leaked reports of an information that comes out of this that uh, Robinson's team wants out there. All right, coming up next, Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report. We're going to be talking all things Blazers. As again, they are 13-11. They've got a little three-game homestand before they go out on a six-game road trip that will take them up to just before Christmas. 
where will they end up? Will that illustrious 500 or better line be there uh, as they get rid of the worst part of their schedule, the worst third plus? Uh, or is there still work to be done? Uh, but first, we've got uh, Jordan Schultz here. With Jordan Schultz here. I've been called Jordan Schultz since like the first grade. My it's goodness, okay. that just rolls off the tongue. It does, dude. Why does that happen? Because I always wear shorts. I don't know. I don't know, man, but like, like, it, like it just went into Jordan Schultz. My goodness. Jordan Schultz here with an update. You ready, Mace? Party people in the place to be. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Final half hour of the show here, Danny and Dusty. Danny Morang, no Dusty, no Rusty. Joined by Jordan Schultz and on the phone right now, joined by Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report. Sean, thanks for hopping on, man. Good to talk to you, man. Hey, so the Portland Trailblazers right now sit at 13-11. They've got a couple days off. It's a beat-up team. couple weeks until Christmas. couple weeks or at least another week until the first real uh, trades can, can be conducted in the NBA on December 15th. Let's go 30,000 feet and then kind of work our way in. Where are the Portland Trailblazers right now relative to where you expected them, and what do you kind of expect to happen over the next two weeks as they lead into Christmas? I think they're, and I've said this, I've written this, I think they're fine. And I've been saying literally since the schedule came out in August and we saw how road heavy it was at the beginning and how heavy on good teams it was at the beginning and on how the, you know, the second half of the schedule was so heavy on teams like, you know, the San Antonio's and Houston's and Oklahoma City's and teams that we expect to be tanking. I have kind of said the whole time that if they could get to Christmas at 500 or even a little above 500, they're in great shape. You know, now we're talking, you know, almost a third of the way through the season. They're at, uh, they're at 13 and 11. And I think that, you know, they, they, they had a pretty rough stretch the last couple of weeks with the, you know, seven losses in eight games. I don't think they were as good as the 10 and four start. I don't think they're as bad as the seven losses in eight games before these recent two wins. They're overall right about where I thought they would be. And, you know, and in fact, given the amount of injuries that they've had, because literally ever since you know, Josh Hart twisted his ankle, he missed the Laker game and the Utah game. He came back in the last game, but he missed uh, the previous two games. Up until then, he had been their only rotation player that hadn't missed at least one game for something over the course of this season. And now every one of their main guys has missed at least one game and have been in and out of the lineup for various reasons over the course of the season. So with all of that, I kind of think they're exactly where we thought they'd be and I think where a lot of people hope they'd be. You look at this team right now, and, and I think a lot of you had questions about the Damian Lillard Anthony Simons backcourt. They didn't know exactly what kind of player truly they were getting with Jeremy Grant. When you look at those two guys in particular, Grant and Simons, who has been more surprising to you with their performance so far this year? I think Simons, because with with Grant, he's fit in. I mean, I didn't know if I would expect him to be, you know, putting up multiple, you know, thirty and forty point games and 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 that. I didn't I didn't know if I'd expect the numbers to be as as good as they've been. But he's fit in in terms of his role and what he's able to do. He's fit in about the way that I expected him to basically since they acquired him. The Simons thing has been a little bit more interesting because, yeah, you know, you know this because you, know, you follow the team as much as I have over the last couple of years, but. uh over the last few years, his role has just fluctuated so much because at the beginning of last season, it was still Dame, CJ, and Norm, and he was coming off the bench, and then they shut Dame down and, he, and trade CJ, and he's the guy. And so you didn't know how he was going to kind of adapt 
to being, you know, in for lack of a better term, they're not the same player, but for lack of a better term, the CJ role. But, you know, and he's kind of still finding his way, and there have been times that he, you know, you, you saw in the Utah game where he had 45 points. There have been times where he's been, you know, the featured guy like he was last season while Dame has been out with this calf thing. But he's kind of starting to find his way as the number two guy on most nights. And, you know, he's, start, he's starting to settle. You know, you, you and I sit next to each other at all these games, and we're always talking about how uh, we, you know, he starts off games Slow and then kind of finds his footing as it uh, as as the game goes on and you know you you showed me some first and second half splits at one point that were pretty you know astronomical in terms of the difference between them but it's I I, I don't know I think I think I'm a little bit you know surprised at how well he's you know adapting this quickly to that role more so than I am with Graham. The Blazers have had some ups and downs here. They they, they lost seven to eight and they win two games in a row. The record is what the record is. They're two games above 500, but you look at the Western Conference, and that's basically everybody. But one of the things that, that Chauncey Belbs has talked about is has been their backsliding, so to speak, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. As of today, they're 24th in defensive rating. Do you believe that that's a function, the defense, I should say, the defense falling off? Do you believe it's who they are, or is that more of a function of the schedule the injuries and everything being paired together, or is that more of a, that's kind of where you expected them to be. It's kind of like with their record. I don't think their defense is as good as it was at the beginning of the season when they were top 10. And I mean, I wrote some stuff at the time about, you know, some of the shot quality that they were allowing some opponents and some of the, you know, red flags to look at that maybe that that wasn't sustainable. I also don't think they're as bad as they've been the last couple of weeks. I think if you had, if you made me guess where they're going to end up, by the end of the season, especially once they've got everybody back, and especially when a once, it, you know, assuming Gary Payton the second comes back uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, I think they're going to probably end up right around league average, maybe in that fifteenth to twentieth in the league type of range. I don't think they're nearly as good as they were at the beginning of the season when it seemed like they just kind of got lucky with a lot of opponents missing wide open threes, and I also don't think that they're going to end up being as bad as they've been. Forecast for me, we, we keep talking about Christmas as being the day. Be at or above 500. What about after that? Between Christmas and the trade deadline, what are you looking for from this Trailblazers team to set them up not only for the second half of the year, but really where the, the foundation of this franchise is going into the next 18 months? Well, you look at their schedule a lot of that, you know, through a lot of that time, you know, you, right after Christmas, their first home game is against Charlotte. And then after that, they've got a bunch of games against, you know, you would think these are like winnable games. You've got Detroit, who's been banged up and are basically pulled the plug already on the season. You've got Minnesota, who probably still isn't going to have cap back at that point. You've got Indiana, who I, that, by that point, you know, the Blazers just beat shorthanded and might still be shorthanded. You've got Orlando. You've got, like, they've got games coming up in that stretch against a lot of teams that they should beat. And they also have a really, really home heavy. They have, I think, 10 or 11 mm-hmm. home games in the month of January. So as bad as their schedule has been so far, that's how good their schedule is going to be basically in January leading into the trade deadline and the all-star break in mid-February. So I would say, you know, if, if our benchmark coming into this part of the season was you want to be at 500 by Christmas. I think you want to be pretty well above 500 through that, uh, up that upcoming stretch after Christmas. They're currently three games out of first place. 
as insane as it all sounds, two games above 500. The West, as difficult as it is, is wildly unpredictable, as we just saw the what ninth place now Dallas Mavericks tear apart the Phoenix Suns like they did in Game 7. Everybody in the West is vulnerable somehow. This Blazers team has beaten that Suns team twice. When you look at where the Blazers sit right now, are, are you still on them as a fringe play-in team, or have they secured themselves a spot in your mind, health permitting, as being a team that, that will avoid the play-in when it's all said and done? I think I'm pretty comfortable putting them in the top six. You know, before the season started, I was kind of saying I thought they were probably play-in caliber, and that I think they would end up in the top eight and actually play in a playoff series, but I think I, I had thought that they were going to end up having to get through the play-in in order to do that. At this point, I'm pretty comfortable putting them in the top six, and part of that is, like, a lot of the teams that the people had just kind of penciled in as being clearly better than them, like Minnesota has just been straight up bad. And I think that was a team a lot of people thought was going to be a top four, whether they do anything in the playoffs, a lot of people thought was going to be a top four regular mm-hmm. season seed just because they added Rudy Gobert. And that was such a big you know, addition. And, you know, they, they've been, they have been not very good and they just lost towns and Dallas has been up and down. And, you know, a lot of these other teams, the Clippers, you know, Kawhi and Paul George have been in and out of the lineup and, you know, they've looked kind of rusty, and they, you know, they're still kind of trying to put different things together as far as different lineups and who they have available on a given night. And I think what Portland has shown is that they're able to win with different guys in and out of the lineup, and they've kind of got an identity and a mentality, maybe more so than some of these other teams have. And I think once you get to that easier part of the schedule where a lot of the teams are going to be playing – even like, you know, they played Utah twice. They beat them once. They lost them once. I think by the time that they play them again, I think in January or something, that's going to be a team that's probably changed the direction of where their season is going and are probably, you know, going to have more guys out. And Indiana is the same way. They're going to be able to, you know, get by on basically just wanting to win these games more than the teams that they're playing because the teams are going to have different priorities. So I do think that they're going to end up in the top six. All right. Over under between now and the trade deadline, two and a half trailblazers being traded. Over. And I'm not even talking – I mean, I don't know necessarily – are we talking about over under like actual rotation players? Because total you, players. You would think – total players. Okay, yeah, I think it's going to be more than two just because there's always going to be even, – even, you know, last year the two main guys – I mean, there was like the – obviously last year was kind of an extreme example because they basically did a total roster teardown with the – Norm Powell, Robert Covington trade, and then they did the C.J. Larry Nance. Like, so just between those, those five guys that Tony Snell was in that trade, too. But then they did that other one where they just kind of moved different stuff. The one, the, the, the Utah-San Antonio, mm-hmm. I think, or one with, like, Tomas Sadoransky coming in. And now there's always going to be kind of some weird, especially, you know, with Joe Cronin being a salary cap guy, you know, by his background. They, they're going to do – Let's say, like, their main trade that they do is, like, two guys for one guy, some sort of consolidation trade. I don't know who that's going to be, but mm-hmm. they do one trade like that. I'll bet they also do another trade that's just, like, some weird salary-moving type of thing that doesn't really have any on-court impact, but is just, like, maybe you pick up a future second or a trade exception or something like that. Like, they're, I would I would say over just because I think there's probably going to be something like that in addition to whatever the headline trade is going to be. Yeah, that's, that's, I think I've held in the same boat in the sense of, Joe Cronin has not hidden his hand, that, that he is going to be active. He said he needed 18 months. He, he said he needed multiple off-seasons to work through all of his exceptions, to get the books to where they want them, to get the roster where they want them. And then I feel like that gets lost 
as we look at this team this year, this team this year was never looked at as a team that was going to compete. This is this was really an evaluation year. And if you sit back and you take a look at, at where they are right now and you're put your, your feet in, in in the GM's office, pretend you're Joe Cronin here for a second. We'll get you out of here on this one. Evaluate what you have seen from this team and what do they need to address or what can they likely address at this trade-led deadline before they get into next season? Well, the obvious one, I think, is center position. And I realize that Yusuf Nurkic is kind of a divisive guy, you know, with the fan base and with, you know, other other folks. He kind of just – he is what he is. He looks really good on some nights, and then there are other nights where it's just a terrible matchup for him. But he just kind of is what he is. And I think that if there's a spot to upgrade, I think that's pretty clearly the spot. And I have, that's something that I would expect to happen. Under the radar, kind of something else they probably need to do is get more scoring off the bench because it's just like, I, I don't know, like when they have everybody healthy, like Justice Winslow is your sixth man. And, you know, he, you know, he's, he's had a couple games where he shot well lately, but, you know, he's not really a scorer. And I guess, I guess I think the way, maybe the way you saw that in house is Shaden Sharp becomes more consistent. He had that incredible start to the season and he's hit a little bit of a rookie wall lately, but I almost feel like, you know, you need to get, uh, you know, you, you do need to upgrade the center position. And then you also, I think kind of need to get one more, you know, offensive-minded guy for the bench. That's kind of where I would ha- where I would have it, and I think one of those is more of a priority than the other. But that's kind of the two areas that I would look at right now. All right, John, thanks for the time, man. Let everyone know where they can find you. RoseGardenReport.com for free or paid subscriptions to the newsletter. I'm covering the team every day, just like Danny is. I'm there all the time, uh, writing a ton of stuff, pumping out a ton of stuff. Podcast, same name, Rose Garden Report, Apple, Spotify, all the usual places uh, that you get that kind of stuff. All right, hey, then thanks for your time. We appreciate you. We'll check back with you here in a couple of weeks as uh, we get closer to the uh, trade deadline and the NBA starts to, to, for everybody else, for all the NFL heads, to pick up post-Christmas. Appreciate it, man. Always good to talk to you, man. Uh, Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report will be uh, coming back here to kind of wrap up the show and the shenanigans of the solo Danny Morang hour or hours with the rotating cast of producers who are doing God's work right now. <laughs> Switching up mid-show and only having two producers to cover for three shows today. Uh, like I said, we'll be back to close up the show and then it'll be uh, primetime and I, I think solo souk. No, no, it's uh, Buck, Sook, and I. Or, oh. I'm just producing, obviously. Oh, but yeah, look Buck at and that. It, we really are just switching things up. It truly is the holiday spirit as nobody is around. Uh, this team right here on Danny and Dusty, 1080 The Fan. Danny and Dusty on The Fan. This is Jordan Shorts. Jordan Schultz behind the glass. Jordan Schultz here. Have, My alter ego. Can I interest you in an arson judge? What? Arson judge. Like Aaron Judge's buddy? No, this is arson judge. This is John Heyman, who covers uh, Major League Baseball, tweeted out uh, a little while ago that arson judge appears headed to the Giants, which sparked a lot of questions. First of all, who the hell's arson judge? Basically, he reveled himself on Twitter. You got to spell. Listen, if you're breaking news, spell check. This is why it doesn't matter for me because I almost never break news. Because if you follow me on Twitter for a long enough time, I don't delete tweets and I make a lot of mistakes. Anybody who's ever edited my work, which my editors at Blazers Edge will have told you over the years, is tremendously awful. It requires lots of editing. 
we'll know that this is all true. But John Heyman may uh, have jumped the, jumped the gun, as it appears that Aaron George is not yet contacted the Giants. However, the flip side of this is Susan Slusser, who is uh, one of the voting members for the Hall of Fame, for the current committee, says, Buzz in the lobby is judges going to sign with the Giants. So while Heyman may have gotten the name wrong and may have not gotten confirmation yet the judges going to the Giants, there is corroborating reports that it does sound like Aaron Judge will leave New York and join the San Francisco Giants. And why this is important is because Ryan Buckley, Ryan in the Bay, will be following us here on the show, sitting in with Souk. And you might get to hear an orgasm live on air it if Aaron Bay, Aaron Bay, if Aaron Judge does go to the Bay. There you go, Aaron Bay, Arson Judge. There you go. That, that, see, this Let's, is how easy John Heyman stumbled into it. We can send a tweet out like that. So stay tuned for that, because if that happens, you will hear lots of screaming and very awkward sounds. I would hate to see it from the sense of Aaron Judge going to the San Francisco Giants, because I hate every team in the Bay. Hate every team in the Bay. It was very hard for me to cheer for the Raiders, like when they were in the Bay. I grew up with the Raiders when they were in LA. That was like, I, even though I knew they came from Oakland, and my dad was an Oakland Raiders fan. Just the fact that they were like Bay adjacent, because the, for me they were always the LA Raiders. And I hate the Giants because I'm a Cardinals fan. My family's Dodgers fans. The Warriors irritate me. So do you hate the Rams then too? Because back in the day they yeah, were kind like. They always sucked. It always people always are confused. Why are you a Rams fan? Because I rooted for them like around St. Louis Super Bowl time. Sure, but it's like because they're from LA and my dad rooted for them. Come on, it's like, easy. They were the Lambs when I grew up. Okay, so, so, so you... like they, I never worried about them. Same with the Seahawks. They were the Sea Chickens because for everybody that's too young to remember that AFC West did include the Seahawks. Um, but yeah, no, I, I look at this and I, I while I simultaneously would love to see the Yankees get screwed over. And by ipso facto, our sales manager, Ryan Cooley, the Yankees fan, having Aaron Judge taken away from him after their, his one good year there, would love to see that. Because I root for chaos around the office. Anybody, I want my teams to do good, and everybody else's teams in the office, I want them to fall on their face. That's what, I root for pure joy for me and chaos for everyone else. I am that guy. So for me, the pure chaos, and you alluded to this off-air, was the idea of a third team swooping in for Aaron Judge at the last possible second. Because it turns out that the San Diego Padres put an offer in on Trey Turner, $342 million. And we didn't know about it till now. My goodness. So uh, the winter meetings are heating up. We should get breaking news on that here very quickly as Buck and Suk are getting ready to jump in right now. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. We love you. If you missed anything... Go ahead and find it on the Less Rob Tires podcast. Uh, Dusty will be back in here tomorrow. doesn't sound like Rusty will be here. We'll have a little tap-in help at the producer spot. Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate you. Uh, have a wonderful night. We'll catch you tomorrow, noon to 3. Up next is Primetime with Souk and Buck. Until then, take care. Talk soon. Mm, bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.